Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the second ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, and I'm doing great because we're 21 days, 482 hours, and 51 minutes away from kickoff. Perfect. I'm excited. I am also excited because I am in the presence of two very famous miniature golfers here. I understand uh, you guys took part in a pretty fun activity recently. Yeah, famous in quotes. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, um, for the first episode and now here, we're sitting, uh, three of us with microphones. You got Kyle and I and then our producer who's also named Cameron, so he'll be producer Cameron. And the two Camerons got to participate in the Fun Acre Open. If you're not from Springfield, there's a legendary mini golf course in town that... Uh, Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> classic. And uh, so they every year have a tournament. And this year we decided to enter. We're not like the best players in the world, but we can usually shoot under par. So we decided to try our hand at it and we qualified. Cameron had to do a playoff. It was pretty funny. Um, yeah, so we did our qualifier, and Cameron and I are sitting in my house just waiting for the end of qualifying. Because I shot a, I shot an 8 under par 42, which is my personal best. Cameron shot a 7 under par 43. Yeah, and we were following along on Twitter to see where the cut was going to be. And about 10 o'clock, we had to rush on back to the course because there were eight of us in a playoff for the yeah, last said, if, five spots. If you shot 43... Get here in 15 minutes because you're you're playing for the last five <laughs> spots in this tournament. So we shut off the Xbox and ran over there as fast as we could. And the, there was a little bit of controversy when a guy who scored a hole-in-one on the first hole thought he was good to go. He thought he could just come back the next day. Uh, turns out he had to, keep, to continue playing on. So when they called him back and he was eventually eliminated, he was not happy about that. No, he was... Very not happy. Yeah, he was, he, was, <laughs> he was pretty steamed, but uh, the guy in charge handled it well. And uh, then we came back the second day, me as the nine seed facing the eight seed, Cameron as the 15 seed, and he knocked off the two seed. So that was really fun. I got knocked out in the first round. Cameron made it to the second round, uh, eventually bowed out to uh, one of the semifinal uh, participants, but uh, it was a blast. And they try to get 50 players each year to do a 32 person uh, tournament at the end. So anybody in Springfield want to come out to that next year, just uh, search for Fun Acre Open on Twitter and you'll find that information there. To get uh, back on topic here, we've got a little bit shorter show for, for you today. Probably we're basically just going to cover some noteworthy news items and uh, set up the next few weeks heading into kickoff. Um, at the beginning of September, but um, without further ado, we'll just jump into the news. Football camp has officially started, and um, right off the bat, it hasn't been very newsworthy, but um, right off the bat, we got some kind of bad news. Well, definitely bad news with uh, Messiah Swenson, the tight end, going down with ACL tear. Yeah, it's it's really bad news, considering... Uh, he was, I think, in line to get some playing time this year, even with a really stacked tight end group. Um, Alberto and... um, Blanton. Yeah, Kendall Blanton are going to get pretty much all the looks now, I think. Um, somebody else is going to have to st- step up, whether it's Logan Christofferson or Brendan Scales. Um, I'm not sure, but um, definitely Messiah Swenson was showing some promise. So that's that's um, definitely not good news, but he's going to be able to take a redshirt year, and so he won't lose any eligibility. Right. The team's pretty lucky in that regard that they have 
I mean, they're stacked at tight end like they haven't been the last few years before this. So mm-hmm. they'll be able to withstand that and, and I think pick up right where they left off next year. Right. And unfortunately, that's just part of football. And I'm sure he probably won't be the only one, but I hope so. <laughs> yeah. From the Tigers standpoint, though, if you're looking at a position that could withstand an injury like that, that was, tight end is definitely the one. Mm-hmm. And then uh, along the offensive line, Derek Dooley was kind of making some news, talking about them and how that no starting job is safe, basically, is what he said. He's really wanting them to uh, bring their A game and fight for all those spots. It kind of sounds weird to hear because we've just assumed the starting five are going to be back from last year. So, Yeah, I mean, Dooley's just kind of a quote machine, honestly, at this point. Uh, I think he's just trying to you know light a fire in his o-line i don't really think at this point they're planning to make any changes to the starting lineup but i mean i guess you never know but at this point i'd say the the same five guys from last year are pretty solidly starting for this year i would agree and i think like you said he's kind of just trying to fire up his guys and make sure they fight hard and don't get complacent mm-hmm. which i can appreciate and for he's sure. trying to give the backup something to keep working hard for because right. i mean you never know when they're gonna have to be to go into the game mm-hmm. uh a situation that I don't really have a great grasp on, uh, maybe we can figure something out here, is the sideline situation with the bench. Um, this year, it is going to change. Mm-hmm. As I understand it, uh, I don't think that it's it's changed in a long time, but I think that it maybe talked about doing it last year and then didn't or something along those lines, but they're going to change it this year. Um and so I, I believe that the visiting team is going to be in front of the student section, which is, I think, an SEC rule that they're not supposed to do right. that. Technically that, against the rule. So yeah, what I was reading was that they have to basically get a waiver from the SEC to have it like that this year. And then they will, I guess, mm-hmm. figure out something where they move the student section. Or um, There's a, something to do with the rule where the students can't be within so many rows of the team so i think there the plan is to put the visiting team's fans right behind the visiting bench mm-hmm. right yeah i think and that's what i remember hearing about last year students, which i don't know if that's yeah, the best be, idea it's going to be interesting um for sure i don't really know how they're going to do it but if the students are right there by the by the visiting team just uh, go ahead and make life miserable for them right. so yeah it'll be interesting to see how that turns out um some NFL news related to Mizzou. We had uh, Jamon Moore and Marcus Murphy sort of making news uh, in the pros. Marcus took a nice touchdown run for the Bills early in that game. It was good to see him getting touches. And a lot of I was checking out some Bills people on Twitter and stuff, and they were saying he it seems like he has a decent chance of making the roster. Yeah, I think he's going to have a really good shot at making the roster. He's just a really talented guy that... I don't know. I think he's gonna. He's got a spot for him somewhere in the NFL. Um, and yeah, Jamon Moore. Um, he was the first wide receiver drafted by the Packers this year, and I think they are you know are expecting to count on him this year for production. Uh, I think that it's been kind of a roller coaster ride for him so far. I know that he's had some high moments where he caught a touchdown pass in one of their like training games that they were doing, and you know it looked really nice doing it. Um, and then there's been some lows where I'm reading an article from TotalPackers.com where uh, Aaron Rodgers is, is specifically talking about Jay Moore and how he's inconsistent. Um, so, it, you know, it, it seems like it's it's been a little rough for him at times. But, you know, I think if Aaron Rodgers is, is specifically calling him out, I think that there's a pretty good chance that he's got a real role in this team this year. Um, if he was going to get cut and, you know, just disappear in the next few weeks, I really don't think Aaron Rodgers would be calling him out like this. 
yeah, that uh, that highlight that was going around of him in that sort of scrimmage game brought back memories of last year with just going up and getting the ball and finding the end zone. But yeah, like you said, if if, if he's being talked about like that and in the news on the Packers uh, Packers side of things, that's probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. If he's being called out by the quarterback. The quarterback probably knows what he's capable of and wants to see him get there. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's just the thing for any rookie. They're probably going to run into some brick walls and, you know, their first few weeks especially. But, I mean, Jamon Moore is just – he's just got the size of a prototypical, you know, NFL wide receiver. He's fast. He's physical. He's strong. He has length. I mean, I – I think if he can just, you know, commit to keep working hard and and keep his head in the game, I think he's going to be a really good player in the NFL. And I think he's been, you know, really underrated as a Mizzou player. He's probably one of the best wide receivers we've had in a long time. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, we'll we'll maybe talk about that a little bit more. I did some uh, research on his statistics and kind of compared him to historical uh, wide receivers. But um, we'll talk about that in a future episode. But, yeah, definitely I found that he was underrated. Uh, kind of funny thing actually I thought it was hilarious uh, a video came out of Bears camp of uh, backup quarterback you may have heard of him Chase Daniel who was uh, <laughs> disguised I guess for the most part uh, with a bucket hat and uh, sunglasses and he was going up to Bears players and trying to get autographs and that was that was hilarious yeah I, th- I think uh, a couple of the players you know recognized him pretty quick but because he's just like a grown man and a group of children like reaching out for <laughs> autographs and stuff but uh I think that he really d- legitimately fooled some of his teammates including Mitch Trubisky so yes. that was he had a hilarious reaction when yep. he found out he was like who is that <laughs> he was like he knew really, something was yeah. going on but he just he wasn't exactly sure mm-hmm. but uh, yeah it was it was hilarious to see him act like the type of adult that would be like pushing their way through and like shoving a pin in the guy's face and whatnot. But yeah, that was shared on the bears official Twitter account. So if you haven't seen that, go check it out. It's really funny. Um, my favorite was when he was kind of playing with one of the other players and, uh, was calling him the wrong name on purpose, Mm -hmm. sort of making fun of him. um, It's good to see that chase Daniel has that, uh, that personality to keep him around those training camps because yeah i mean he's uh, he's, he's living well the dream. compensated for it he's living the dream right <laughs> yeah. now i mean he's not really having to be counted on for much you know on the field right now and he's getting paid millions so yeah he's i'd like to see him get a starting gig somewhere and i think he's he's good enough to do that but i'm happy that he's he's living good right now yeah i'm sure he's okay with it for the for the time being <laughs> uh jumping into some recruiting news uh we had a huge commitment uh from Maurice Massey. Yeah, uh, that was that was a, a really big commitment, and um, uh, another one of those St. Louis things. I know what Jack Buford was kind of the big one a few months ago, just kind of changing the narrative of the you know Mizzou and St. Louis relationship. I know that it hasn't been great in the past, but I think that Barry Odom's really you know making inroads with with St. Louis and really working to change um, kind of that attitude. And um, so Maurice Massey is a wide receiver. He's like 6'3 and, you know, really long and um, can go up and high point the ball really well. And um, I think he's a guy that Mizzou can really get excited about. And uh, it was also exciting that he picked us over Illinois. So I know that there's been kind of a, a rivalry going between us, at least in recruiting, you know, right. the last couple of seasons. I'd, I'd love to play them mm-hmm. actually in football, but still nice to beat them on the recruiting trail. Yeah, that video is funny. He kind of trolled the um illinois fans a little bit he really did uh pulled out a illinois backpack and then pulled a mizzou shirt out of the backpack right and like a couple days before his commitment he like posted like a picture on his instagram story or something like with him like 
very clearly filming his commitment video and in the picture like he has like illinois gloves you know in the picture and just like holy crap just dude you're really really like messing with everybody yeah he, he played up that mizzou illinois rivalry yeah. though like his edits were half oh, yeah. mizzou half illinois really cool edits. all that stuff it is good though to see that st louis connection that we thought we were going to see last year i mean that was the big thing was all these guys from st louis and these in-state guys and missed on a lot of them but it seems like this year is really kind of turning that around yeah, last year was really interesting with uh, the Tiger 10, I think is what they called it. And we, what did we get? One of them with Daniel Parker Jr. Yeah, yeah that was that was a really interesting whole scenario. And it just, I don't know, it just felt like those guys kind of big timed us a little bit and, you know, went to some, and good for them. They went to great programs and I'm sure we'll be great players, but it was a little bit weird seeing how just kind of their attitude changed um, over time. But I think uh, this 2019 class is, I think kind of our efforts have finally started to pay off with this class and they seem to be much more fond of Mizzou. And I think that's going to be really cool to watch going forward. Yeah. As big a deal as that was missing on some of those guys. I think if you talk to the average Mizzou fan, we've pretty much all forgotten about it because mm-hmm. of these good right. recruiting we, situations we're in now. We've made up with, I, I think we made up for it last year too, by getting some good guys out of Texas and stuff in the same positions that we were trying to recruit the Missouri guys for. So we'll move on, you know, it'll be all right. Another commitment that came through is from Thalen Robinson, uh, offensive lineman. I don't really know much about him. I don't know a whole lot about Thalen Robinson. Uh, to me, I, I mean, I hadn't really even heard his name before he committed, to be completely honest. It kind of came out of the blue, but um, he is a humongous guy. I think he's like 310, you know, 310 pounds. I, I, I don't know exactly. 310. Three, <laughs> I said that really weird. Three foot 10 inches. I said that really weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's an enormous guy and I think he's going to have to work on his mobility and um, just kind of, you know, I think the defensive linemen were kind of getting under him a little bit and some of his blocks and getting leverage on him a little bit. So I think he'll have to work on getting low and, and his feet and moving faster and stuff. But I mean, just you can't teach size though. So I think that that'll be a, a nice commitment for, for depth going forward. And maybe he's got a spot to, uh, to start in the future. Uh, a couple of commitments that we're looking forward to. Um, CJ Boone, it seems like he's going to commit any day now. He was tweeting about needing somebody to do a, a commitment video for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, cut down his list to six schools a couple weeks ago. And normally when a player cuts their list down, it's it means that commitment is coming pretty soon. Um, I don't remember the six schools on his list, but I have to think that if Mizzou wants him, they've got a pretty good shot of landing him. I think it's kind of coming down between them and Minnesota right now. And I really don't know if Mizzou has him prioritized over other guys right now, but I, I would definitely tend to think that if they want to take him, they, they, they'll get him. He's a defensive back slash athlete. Yeah. I think he's going to play wide receiver at the next level. Cool. Uh, speaking of wide receiver, Marcus Washington basically completely reopened his commitment, which is interesting because he hadn't committed anywhere, at least mm-hmm. um, he hadn't announced a commitment anywhere. Maybe he had committed in his head already. Right. And yeah, we, I, you know, had kind of bookmarked August 7th in my mind for a really, really long time. And well, as long as he had it announced, at least, you know, I had been looking forward to it because you know, in Missouri felt good about that commitment and so did pretty much all the fan base. And so, you know, I was pretty excited about, you know, getting such a big, you know, St. Louis recruit, um, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, just the St. Louis Mizzou relationship. So, 
um, yeah, that was going to be huge. Um, it, and it's kind of sent everybody into a frenzy whenever he, whenever he made that announcement, because it certainly would point to him, you know, picking Ohio state, you know, before everything went down with urban Meyer and their wide receiver coach. So which kind of went against what everybody thought, even Ohio right. state was surprised to that. And they're like, Oh, okay. Well, I th-. so, you know, I don't necessarily mean, think that means that he was going to pick Ohio state. Um, and I definitely think that Missouri is probably still the front runner for him as of now. I think that I tend to think that, you know, life just kind of flashed before his eyes whenever that happened. And he, you know, he just realized, wow, this is, this is a huge decision and everything can change so quickly. And I just really need to make sure I'm making the right decision here. And I need to, you know, make sure I'm, I'm looking at all my options and, um, no matter what can, cause it, you just never know what can happen. So I still think Missouri lands him. I just don't know when, but I think it might be after the season, after his high school season. Yeah. And, but you can't fault the guy for wanting to just take a little bit more time. That's, that's what we want to see. We don't want him to rush to a decision. And when something like that so drastically changes the landscape for him, you, he's, it's natural that he's going to take some time to think things over. Mm-hmm. On the basketball side of things, we've got some news there. There's uh, some recruiting news. A bunch of well, a bunch of lists that we're interested in have been trimmed. Um, two in particular, Mario McKinney. He's knocked it down to, I think, seven schools. Let me look. Yep. Um, they include VCU, Auburn, Louisville, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Kansas State, and the Missouri Tigers. So I think just right off the bat, looking at that list makes me feel good. Yep. I don't think anything's really changed there. I think Missouri's going to get him. Nobody really scares me on that list if Missouri wants him. Yeah, I think there's legitimate concern about Kansas State. They've been on him for a while, but it, with Kansas State, it's hard to know how much they want a particular guy because they literally offer everybody. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. And... Uh, Rocket Watts, he trimmed it down a bit. There's a little bit of a surprise there. He includes um, USC, Michigan State, UConn, Florida State, Louisville, Oregon, Marquette, Minnesota, and Mizzou. So that's a final nine for uh, for the point guard, the combo guard out of Michigan. Yeah, he released like a top five or six like a month ago or something, and then he deleted the tweet, and then he released these nine schools. Uh, to be honest, I'm not really sure which ones he added but to the, to the new one, but obviously the big takeaway for me is that Michigan isn't on this list. Yeah, it seems like for some reason he felt the need to let everybody know that Michigan is not in the picture anymore, but um, that is kind of surprising. I figured Michigan and Michigan State would be in it to the end, um, but... From what I've been reading, UConn, Florida State, Missouri, and Michigan State seem to be the front runners. So, um, yeah. with a lot of people saying a three-team race between UConn, Florida State, and Missouri. Yeah, I, I think uh, that Missouri has a really legitimate shot of landing him, and I'm not sure I ever took him that seriously up until the last few weeks because I just was like, I don't think we have a shot. But I think that Cornell man relationship is stronger than maybe we originally thought, and I think. Missouri is going to be in it till the end. Yep. Um, I predicted it last week, so not to brag, but true, I, that was in my official prediction. That is true. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, EJ Liddell has a top five coming soon. Um, he said he's going to be he's going to be releasing that when he gets done with this uh, Nike Skills Academy that he's at right now. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to hear from EJ. Um, I feel like we don't really know. Who's going to be on that list? I think it would be an absolute shock if Mizzou isn't there. But if I had to guess five schools that are going to be on that list, I'd probably say Mizzou, Ohio State, 
Illinois, Kansas State, and I would add Duke because I know that they've been on him a little bit. And not to uh, belittle any recruits, but it seems like there's a little bit of a trend for people to put teams on their list that they would not be able to commit to right away if oh, they wanted sure. to. So, but uh, it looks good for the edits. So sometimes <laughs> exactly. that's, that's all that matters at yeah, this stage. That'll be that'll be definitely something that's I'm anxious to to see who he yeah, comes the, out with. The five you listed there seem like um, definitely with Kansas State having uh, an offer out to McKinney um, as well. I would see that making the top five. But again, this is not a bad time to be in recruiting battles with Ohio State. So that makes me more optimistic for Missouri every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donovan Williams, he trimmed his list. We talked about him a little bit last week, but uh, or last episode, he trimmed it. Mizzou didn't make the cut. He's down to Arizona State, Texas, Texas A&M, Miami, and Georgia. I would be shocked if he leaves the state of Texas. I think Shaka Smart will probably lock that down if he wants to. Um, and I'd prefer that. I'd rather not see him in the SEC, but um, maybe he'll be a teammate of Courtney Ramey at Texas. Caleb Love is another guy that uh, he's beginning the process of blowing up, as they say. Uh, he's received an offer from Indiana and Texas. So it, it's just going to keep happening. We're going to see an offer list. He, he'll, I still think he'll be a five-star recruit when it's all said and done. He'll have a, as impressive an offer list as anybody in the country. Another guy that we talked about last episode was Antavion Column. He's a 6-7 sort of hybrid point forward type player. Um, Mizzou's definitely interested in him. He's going to take an official visit to Ole Miss coming up soon. So we'll see how that goes. I don't expect a commitment anytime soon from him. I think he's definitely wanting to try to uh, drum up some attention and get some of those higher offers. But uh, we'll see how that turns out. Some new offers on the table for Missouri. Uh, we've got a five-star, number six in the country, uh, a junior-to-be in Jalen Johnson. He's a 6'8", 215, small forward. I I guess I honestly don't know sometimes where these offers come from, like a James Wiseman and a, a Jalen Johnson, these five-star guys that you know are going to go to a, a high, a high-market team. So I guess we'll see. Conto shooting his shot. Yeah. Um, it's likely that he'll stay in the state of Wisconsin, and um, a lot of people think it's between Wisconsin and Duke for his services. Ty Berry is another guy, a point guard from Kansas. He's uh, 6'2", 170. He's the number 179 player in uh, the class of 2020. So Kansas is the crystal ball favorite for him right now, even though they don't have an official offer out to him. So I think that people are just anticipating that they will, and he'll uh, he'll be a Jayhawk. And then the most noteworthy, probably for Mizzou fans, is Christian Brown. I've been uh, informed that it's pronounced Brown, as as odd as that seems. Yeah, that's going to take some getting used to for me, because I've been seeing his brother Parker's name for a while now. So right. and print, you know, saying Braun in my head. So yeah, but six uh, four shooting guard. Um, he's a three star on Rivals. He's the class of twenty nineteen. Um, from Overland Park, Kansas, and like you said, brother of current Tiger walk-on, uh, Parker Brown. Yeah, that that was the one that I felt like it's maybe a little late to the party. I'm not really sure why we hadn't given him an offer before he did get one. Uh, I don't know if the staff was just kind of trying to decide if they liked him enough to offer, but clearly 
a lot of other schools liked him enough to give him an offer before we did. So I don't really know the likelihood of him landing at Mizzou, but I think at this point we, I think we should want him to be here because I think he's been doing some pretty impressive stuff lately. Yeah, he's definitely shown a knack for scoring in the um, AAU circuit. He recently picked up offers from Oklahoma, Creighton, and Illinois. So he's definitely getting the high major attention that you would expect from a guy that's going to be offered by Mizzou. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he'll be an interesting one to follow. And then another one that kind of came out of nowhere um, was Jalen Hill. Um, He's had an offer for a little while, but uh, recently took an official visit to Missouri, kind of um, under the radar, we didn't know that it was going to happen until it until it was happening. So he's a four-star wing from Las Vegas. He's considered an Oregon lean. They're considered the favorite for him right now. But the fact that we got him on campus, that's that's an awesome sign. Anytime you get a four-star forward on campus, he's a 2019 guy. So I don't know where that fits in with sort of the hierarchy of Mizzou's targets right now, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, I'm not really sure what that means for the EJ Liddell um, recruitment. I don't know if that's Maybe Mizzou thinking their chances aren't as great with Liddell going forward, or if that's just kind of their plan B, or if they would they want both of them. I don't really know, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to tell from our perspective where what Conzo is really thinking at that position because he's got offers out to several guys that sort of have an overlapping skill set mm-hmm. and size. So if he's thinking positionless basketball, we'll play two of them at the same time, or if he's thinking several of these guys are, are backup options to Liddell. It's, it's hard to say at this point. And then a little bit closer to home uh, here in Springfield, Missouri State is uh, making a habit of adding some Rockbridge players to their uh, upcoming roster. They just signed uh, Dewan Harris from uh, from Rockbridge to join uh, Bruin teammate Jamonta Black here in Springfield. Um, they've also picked up a commitment from Parkview, uh, Tyam Freeman. Is, how, is that how you pronounce that? I think so. So Dana Ford is putting together a pretty good first recruiting class, it looks like. Yeah, it's um, something that I'm not accustomed to seeing really here as a Missouri State uh, follower. Uh, I don't think, it seems like a lot of the recruiting is done, you know, with JUCOs and stuff like that. So it doesn't seem like they've made a big push for high school players, especially some pretty nice high school players. Uh, So I think that'll be kind of a different recruiting philosophy that we see from Coach Ford. Yeah, it's definitely got Bear fans in Springfield fired up. They're loving what they're seeing so far, and they would really get fired up if they landed Isaiah Mosley. I mean, if you had the, the top guy from Rockbridge coming there instead of Mizzou, that's how the fans in Springfield would see it. They would see it as uh, Mosley mm-hmm. picking Missouri State over Mizzou. Right, and I mean, obviously, we, we know that may not be the case if, if Mizzou, you know, I think if Mizzou gets uh, McKinney and, and Rocket Watts, I don't think Mosley's going to be on the roster. I just don't think that they would take all three of those guys if that situation came into play. But I definitely think that if that did happen, Isaiah Mosley very well could end up at Missouri State. Yeah, I mean, even if from Dana Ford's perspective, why not go get these uh, guys out of Columbia mm-hmm. that are going to be overlooked by a lot of high major schools right. and then having teammates of a, of a four-star guy Right, kind of keep that chemistry going. Right. Yeah, can't hurt. And then uh, a little bit other recruiting news. I mentioned that EJ Liddell is going to trim his list after this Nike Skills Camp that he's going to. Um, Several Mizzou targets are there right now. Uh, EJ Liddell, Rocket Watts, Trey Jackson, and Josh Christopher. They uh, released some measurables to Twitter that is kind of floating around on these guys. The uh, most noteworthy, I think, is EJ Liddell's wingspan. They measured him at standing height of 6'7", uh, 226, and then 
a wingspan of 6'10". So that sort of explains the shot blocking ability that we've seen. Right. Yeah. He he just comes out of nowhere to block some of the shots sometimes. And it makes sense if you watch some of his, his film, like his arms are so long and his height, I think is the main thing that might keep, you know, some of the big guys out of this race. And, you know, he's not a really tall guy, but that wingspan is, is really nice though. Right. And if him being six, seven instead of six, nine means that Duke and North Carolina lay off a little bit more, that's fine with me. Yeah. Very, very okay with me. Uh, Josh Christopher, anytime I see anything on him, it's just screams NBA because he's measured at um, six, five and a half and a wingspan of six, seven and a half, which if you're looking for an NBA two guard, uh, what more could you ask for there? And then uh, another NBA tidbit is uh, Jordan Barnett. He was actually extended a, an offer to join the Bucks for training camp. So he locked up a, a training camp contract. I'm really unfamiliar with how those are structured, but he's still on an NBA roster as of right now. So we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, I'm not familiar with uh, how that works exactly, but I, he may get a chance to be bumped up to the roster You know, towards the end of the year. I don't know. Sometimes you see some of those guys maybe um, get some playing time towards the end of the year. So that would be really cool to see. But, but good for, for Jordan Barnett. Um, not everybody gets signed to these training camp uh contracts so i know that he had a pretty good a pretty good um summer league so so good for him yeah his journey so far sort of reminds me of phil pressy a little bit because phil had the same sort of uh, nobody really expected much out of him he played well in the summer league got a training camp invite and then he sort of bounced around uh, he actually sat on the bench for the boston celtics for a long time for one whole season in particular but if jordan barnett can pull off something like that i think that'd be fantastic and I'd say the biggest piece of basketball news that's come out recently was um, the non-conference schedule finally got finalized. And actually, it's a little bit earlier than it was last year. I was kind of expecting the end of August to see exactly where everything fell into place, but we got it. And uh, it looks manageable for Missouri. Yeah, and they even replaced uh, Utah pretty quickly and easily. It seemed like with a pretty co- you know a quality opponent in Temple, so that was pretty good. I was actually worried about that, that... that scrambling last minute you'd see some like 350 ken palm team or a worst case scenario division two team like last year but i'm glad we avoided anything like that um we'll run it we'll run through it real quick for anybody that hasn't seen it um starting off the year at home against central arkansas they're out of the southland conference the ken palm rating of 213 that should be a typical non-conference cupcake team um, not a lot to talk about there. Then the big ch- first challenge will be on the road on November 9th at Iowa State, the last leg of that home-and-home home that they opened the season with last year. Iowa State last season ended up at a 103 Ken Palm rating. Of course, they're in the Big 12. They didn't have a very good conference season, but they've got some pieces that could definitely challenge teams this year. Yeah, it's the return game of, of the Iowa State game last year, obviously the first game of the year. And I don't know if you guys, any of you guys were there, but it was a lot, a lot of fun. Obviously, besides the weird Michael Porter Jr. situation, it was probably the loudest Mizzou basketball game I've ever seen, at least been in, you know, in person. Yeah, and it'll be interesting. You could see flashes of um, the guard that they've got coming back, Wigginton. He actually mm-hmm. flirted with the NBA draft a little bit, so um, it'll be tough to contain him for sure, but 
if if they can shut him down, that that's that'll be a challenge. But yeah, maybe a manageable road game on the road. Right. Yeah, anytime you're playing on the road, it's it's tough. So yeah, it, it'll be a tough game, but you know it'll be it'll be a good challenge for him right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Then they move on to the Paradise Jam. That's a little preseason tournament. They uh, their first opponent in that is Kennesaw State. They should just breeze through that to the second round. Um, likely opponent looking at probably Oregon State. And then best case scenario, they finish the, the tournament off with Kansas State in the championship. Yeah, this will be a, a pretty decent little test for Mizzou, kind of just kind of seeing where they're at. Um, but Oregon State, I think, is going to be a little bit tougher opponent than you might think off you know th- off the top of your head. I know they return pretty much everybody from a decent squad last year, so that's not an automatic win. And if they pay if they play Kansas State, you know, in the finals, obviously Kansas State went to like the Elite Eight last year, so they're they're a very capable team as well, and you know we're going against them in some recruiting battles and stuff too. So it's that's that would be an important game to win. Yeah, definitely. Then um, that brings us to that replacement game. They're playing Temple at home on the uh, November twenty seventh. That replaces the last half of the home and home with Utah. I, I gotta say, I don't mind not seeing Utah again this year. That was such a, a terrible game to watch at the beginning of last season, where just nothing uh, worked for us offensively. So. Temple's still a top 100 Ken Palm team last year. Decent team from the American Conference. Uh, another home game against UCF follows that. Um, you got everybody knows UCF because of their seven foot six center Taco Fall. Um, he'll be back at, for a senior season this year. Um, I thought Jeremiah Doman did a decent job with them last year, so mm-hmm. we'll see the improvement from both of those players. It might be interesting. Yeah, beat them on the road last year. Get them at home this year. It'll be that'll be a fun one to watch. Then we go to, well, we stay at home um, at Missouri Arena for University of Texas Arlington. Um, they're a Sunbelt Conference team. They won 21 games last year, played well in conference. They're still around a 130 Ken Palm. We'll see what they are preseason, but that's a perfectly winnable game. But it sort of reminds me of the, uh, what was the game last year? They almost threw away against a Texas team. Oh, man, I have Stephen no idea. Austin. Yes. I knew uh, that would be a tough one last year, though. So this has the potential to be sort of that surprise you team that they play in the in the non-conference. After that, they take on Oral Roberts. A lot of home games in a row here. Oral Roberts, of course, beat uh, our Missouri State Bears last year. That was kind of an embarrassing loss for the Bears, but um, Oral Roberts barely won double-digit games. They're out of the Summit League uh, in the 200s with Ken Palm. That should be an easy win. And then a really big challenge at home in Xavier. They do lose a lot of pieces, but you're talking about a top 15 team out of the Big East. They basically only lost to Villanova last year. Basically, that was their their main losses. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that matchup. That's going to be a lot of fun and it seems like we've played Xavier a lot in the non-conference season like the last few years. I'm not really sure how that worked, but that's going to be a really fun game and a huge test for Mizzou and if they can pull that off, that's that's a bit really big win. Yeah, I I would have been more scared seeing them on the schedule last year. Mm-hmm. Um they they do lose a few seniors to graduation, so uh, I like our chances a lot better this year. I like our chances better this year with Illinois. I think we let one slip away last year. Um, that was kind of disappointing. Illinois did not have an impressive season last year. Only won four games in the Big Ten. They lost four or five players to either graduation or transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, one guy just moved 
out of the country back yeah, home. It, so. it really seems like there's a lot of turbulence going on over at Illinois right now. And honestly, last year it was like the biggest head scratcher ever how we lost to them. Cause I mean, I, yeah, like you said, they did, they weren't good last year either, even with some of the pieces they did lose. So I have no idea what was going on with us last year. I know that, you know, Tillman probably had some extracurricular thoughts going on about <laughs> the game. He was probably a little nervous with everything that happened with him in the past. Right. So he, might not have been, you know, super focused and, you know, maybe a little distracted, but. And that, and it is a big one. We talked about Kansas State with those recruiting battles. It's as silly as it seems. It's important to beat Illinois when you're battling year after year with Illinois for these recruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was really upset that we lost that game last year, but I hope that we can turn it around, turn it around this year. And then they, uh, they round out the non-conference schedule with a home game against Moorhead State, probably. If you look at the Ken Palm ratings and the conference and everything, the easiest game on the schedule in the non-conference, um, it'll be the easiest game they play all year, most likely. That and Kennesaw State will probably vie for that title. But uh, yeah, from the Ohio Valley, they're near 300 in Ken Palm last year, probably going to be about the same this year. Which means we'll probably end up squeaking one out by like two points. Yeah. Who <laughs> was the team we played last year where we, I think it was like, wasn't it like a D2 school? It was that we, State, yeah. That was the, just the weirdest game, but I think it was kind of in the wake of all the MPJ stuff and right. there everybody was confused as to what was going on and super distracted, but I don't want that to happen against any of these cupcake teams again. We just need to beat, get them off the floor and be done with them. Yeah, and that's something that you can always look at, I think, and see the great Mizzou teams versus the good Mizzou teams versus the bad Mizzou teams, how they play in the non-conference schedule. I mean, it's obvious they're playing games, so it should give you an idea of how the season's going to unfold, but just destroying cupcakes by 30 points, um, beating top 100 Ken Palm teams in the non-conference, that goes a long way to, to really showing how the, how the season's going to play out. I actually... When I was looking through the schedule, I couldn't help but be looking at Ken Palm and look at the last few seasons, um, non-conference schedules. And it it's completely obvious when you look through the whole schedule year after year that these Mizzou teams that are winning double digits to 12, 13 non-conference, win, non-conference games, those are the teams that are winning 20 games at the end of the year, 23 games, making the NCAA tournament, going on runs. So... Um, it'll be interesting to see, especially the Iowa State game, the Xavier game, and then some of these sort of mid-tier teams, if they can really do their job. And with a young team, you never really know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really interesting schedule, and there's not a game that Missouri can't win. Um, I think, you know, best case scenario, I really think they could go 12-0 and 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 win every single game in the non-conference. I definitely don't think that's going to happen. I think they'll stumble two or three times against some of these teams, and whether it's Illinois or Xavier or Iowa State, I don't know, but I think they'll they'll lose two or three um, along the way. But Well, what do you think then? I, when I look at the non-conference schedule each year and the schedule as a whole, I like to break it down by best-case scenario, worst-case scenario, and then most likely-case scenario. Mm-hmm. So... Best case scenario, you think they they run the table? They could beat every single one of these teams. Best case scenario, I think I think they could go twelve and zero. Yeah, I don't conference with Xavier losing pieces. Like I said before, that and would be the one that I would. And yes, and playing them at home, that would be the one that I say you can't count on that. But when we get closer to that game, that'll probably be when you look at 
Ken Pomeroy's numbers, that'll probably be close to a coin flip in his eyes. So with it, with it being at Mizzou Arena. So yeah, I think best case scenario, you could look at a 12-0 non-conference season. Worst case, maybe you drop at Iowa State. Maybe you don't even get to the championship of the Paradise Jam. Lose to Xavier and then, I don't know. That seems like worst case scenario. Yeah, I think worst Some case scenario is probably. No, I wrote six and six, but I just don't think that even in the worst case, say worst case scenario, they'll lose six games. No, out of I, that. I see worst case scenario. You're looking at eight wins in the non-conference, which mm-hmm. would going into conference season. That would say to me, we're probably looking at around a five hundred record when it's all said and done which wouldn't be the end of the world it'd be a down year for sure but um we'll talk more in future episodes about what we're expecting for the whole season but most likely i think 10 wins you know with you're just gonna lose a game every once in a while if you're not an elite team you're gonna drop a game that just doesn't make sense so and playing iowa state the beginning of the year i could see that easy that could be a legitimate concern for a loss. And then Xavier just with their pedigree and they're going to keep bringing back good players. I could see them dropping those two and finishing mm-hmm. with 10 wins in the non-conference. Yeah. I, if I had to guess, I, I put them at 10 and two, um, but I had them losing to Iowa state cause it's a road game and I have them losing to Kansas state cause I think Kansas state is a really, really solid team and that that's a neutral court. So, but I do have them beating Xavier. I think that's, Far from, you know, a foregone conclusion by any by any means, but I think that that's a winnable game for sure. Yeah, losing two of those three wouldn't be the end of the world. Not at all. I really don't want them to lose to Kansas State. Mm-hmm. I want them to get that. They couldn't get the championship of the uh, Advocare Invitational last year. Yeah, man, that hurt. Yeah, <laughs> that, that against one West stung Virginia. really bad. So I don't want to repeat of that. I just want to beat Kansas State, get those bragging rights for recruiting, and then move on to the next game. But yeah, let's let's hope for. 10 and 2 mm-hmm. moving That'd into be conference a, season. a really great milestone, I think. Yeah. Well, that's all I've got for us for this week, Kyle. Um, we're going to be right back here next week. The plan is to do an in-depth football preview. We're going to go position by position, breaking down the players, what to expect from them. Um, we're excited for that. And then we're, the plan is to go weekly from then on out. We're going to go power through football season, doing recaps and previews for each game. And then the same thing right on into basketball season. Yeah, it's it's football season, and I'm super excited to to get a little bit more in depth and you know what we can expect from the team this year. And uh, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes, and then you can tweet at us at Mizzou Sports One. And uh, yeah, we want to engage with you guys, and so let us know what questions you have, what what you want us to talk about. You can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail and you can find me on Twitter at C underscore Albert 08. And um, yeah, just let us know on there. Give us your ideas for us. Uh, best case, worst case scenario for the non-conference for the basketball team. And um, thanks everyone for listening. And we'll see you next week.